Welcome to another edition of Focus on the Kingdom. This is Anthony Buzzard inviting you again to probe the Scriptures with us to investigate the text of the Bible in a Berean manner in search of the truth of Jesus' favorite topic, the Gospel about the Kingdom of God. We've been pointing out that Jesus was a Jew who must be understood in his first century Jewish-Palestinian environment. There's always a danger in Bible study that we simply read our own traditional understandings into the text of the Bible instead of trying to read out of the Bible the original meaning of Jesus and the apostles. Tradition, you know, uncritically accepted, can be a great hindrance to understanding the Bible, understanding Jesus, and developing the mind of Messiah, the mind of Christ, which Paul described as being the Holy Spirit. At the end of 1 Corinthians chapter 2, Paul has a wonderfully interesting discussion of what it means to have the Spirit of God or the Spirit of Christ. We're developing, he says, the mind of Christ, and he marvels at the fact that Christians have actually been given a piece of the very thinking process of Jesus himself, and therefore of the thinking process of God, who is the Father of Jesus Christ. We have the mind of Christ, Paul says in that last verse of 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Now the mind of the one God of Israel and of his Son Jesus, the Messiah, is to be found in the pages of the Scripture. The wisdom which inspired those writings is wisdom that can be ours, but it doesn't all come at one time. We must dig for it constantly. We must search for it as hidden treasure, and then we can discover what God is doing by way of his grand scheme and design to bring peace on the earth eventually by sending Jesus back to this earth to rule in the kingdom of God. We've been talking about those extraordinary events detailed by Jesus in the great anchor of prophecy, Matthew 24, where he describes what's going to happen as a kind of countdown to the grand finale of human history, this side of the coming of Christ. Jesus described in that chapter 24 of Matthew a rundown of events which are going to signal the end of this present evil age and introduce, by the arrival of Jesus in power and glory, the new age of the coming kingdom of God on earth, and it's the destiny of Christians to rule and reign with Christ in that coming kingdom. Blessed are the meek, Jesus said in Matthew 5, verse 5. They're going to have the earth as their inheritance, and they're going to rule and reign as kings with Christ on the earth. Revelation 5 and verse 10. We've been looking in detail at what Jesus said has to happen before he comes back, before he reappears in glory in the sky and ascends to the earth. He will place his feet on the Mount of Olives according to Zechariah chapter 14 and verse 4. There will be a mighty earthquake at that time and the kingdom of God will be established on the ruins of former Gentile beast-like governments who will oppose Jesus at his coming. But the Messiah this time is not coming like a meek lamb, but like a warrior. The warrior and the lion of Judah will overcome opposing forces, opposing political forces, then at that time ranged against the Messiah. And the Messiah will win the battle. He will establish his government at its headquarters in Jerusalem, as all the prophets of Israel have predicted. The Bible is simply filled with accounts of what's going to happen just prior to the arrival of Jesus and much more indeed about what will happen once Jesus has reordered the earth on a sane and sound basis and established the first successful world government 
with its headquarters in Jerusalem. Jerusalem at that time will be a grand world worship center. And all the nations, we read in Isaiah, the second chapter, will flow up to Jerusalem. And in Jerusalem will be the returned Messiah and his saints administering a new world system. The nations will learn that there are better ways of organizing themselves than at present. Evils which now plague our societies will be eradicated once and for all and decisively by this grand event, which will be the second coming of Christ in power and glory to establish his kingdom on this earth. Did you know that all repentance is geared towards this great event of the future? Jesus opened his ministry by saying, The kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven is at hand. That's to say, the great divine government promised in the Hebrew Scriptures by all the prophets of Israel is coming soon. Repent and believe in that good news. Repentance is directed towards giving up our own concepts, our own lifestyles, our own way of doing things and our own agendas and redirecting our whole life, our whole motivation to a brand new horizon. And that horizon is the great event which is full of meaning for all of us, the coming in the future of the great kingdom of God to this earth. Jesus therefore asks us to believe that this is going to happen. Believe in the gospel is his first command to us as potential Christians in Mark chapter 1 verse 15. Believe in the gospel about the kingdom because the kingdom was the subject of all Jesus' preaching. There's only one form of preaching that Jesus knows. It's an exposition of the good news about the kingdom of God. All preaching in the New Testament is geared to that one message. Of course, the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ are integral parts of that message. But the ultimate object, the ultimate end of the message is the kingdom of God. By far the greatest event ever known to human history, paralleled only by the mighty flood which took away the lives of so many people. Jesus said that just as in the days of Noah, when business will be, so to speak, as usual, society will be marrying and giving in marriage and conducting their business as though nothing spectacular is going to happen. All things will be continuing just as they always have, people will be saying. It's at that point when they will utterly have failed to heed the warning that the deluge of the second coming will come upon them, just like the flood and its massive power to destroy, so exactly it will be with the second coming. The coming of Christ in glory will crash in on a heedless world, a world which will have disregarded the warnings given by God about the coming day of wrath and the day of the Lord. Do you remember when John the Baptist introduced Jesus? In John the Baptist's own preaching we have this warning loud and clear. Flee from the wrath to come, he says. Oh, I know that those verses are now associated in some comical fashion with fanatic preaching and oddball declarations of the end of the world and so on. And yet, when all of that is laid aside, those warnings still remain as a solemn testimony to what God is going to do. The call of the gospel is the call to wake up before it's too late, to involve ourselves now in readiness for the great day coming. Whether we die before that day comes or whether we survive until it comes makes no difference at all. We are going to face the judgment and we're going to face Jesus 
And Jesus, you remember, said that it's his message that's going to judge us in that day. You'll find that at the end of chapter 12 of John's Gospel. Let's spend the remainder of our time then examining the list of items which Jesus outlined for us in preparation for the coming day of the kingdom. In Matthew 24, that long connected discourse of Jesus, the Messiah responded in detail to the very fascinating question of the disciples in Matthew 24, verse 3. They had said to him, Tell us, when will these things be? That's to say, trouble and destruction in the temple. And what will be the sign of your coming, your arrival, and of the end of the age? It's necessary to point out, of course, that this word arrival or coming is not a secret invisible presence. It's an abuse of the language there to translate that word coming as presence, as though it might be some unseen event. No, the word used here points to some starkly visible and external event which will impact the world in a dramatic fashion. What will be the sign, the pointers, the indicators of your coming? The disciples asked Jesus. And in his response to them, Jesus said, Take care that no one misleads you. Don't be deceived. Pay attention to my words. Do not let anyone pull the wool over your eyes or deceive you in regard to the events leading up to the coming of Christ and the end of the age. I might mention in passing that even Bible translations can be in subtle ways misleading. The question of the disciples had to do with the end of the age, not, as mistranslated in the King James Version, the end of the world, as though the planet is going to disappear. Jesus was concerned, as were his disciples, with the end of the age, the end of this present era of human history, leading to the coming age and the new age of the kingdom of God following. There's nothing here in the words of Jesus about the end of the world, as though the planet is going to be destroyed beyond repair. And so that's the first point to notice in terms of Jesus' warning against deception. Check carefully what you read in your Bible. Compare various versions. Look up the words in your concordance and so on to establish a sane and sound translation. And if these sources fail to give you the answers you're looking for, then search out answers in commentaries, consult Bible scholars and others who may have a little more experience in some of these areas of biblical exposition. At the end of the day, of course, you have to make up your own mind about what the truth is. But Jesus expects us all to beware of deception and false teaching. And then Jesus said in verse 5, Many will come in my name, that's to say, trading on my name as Christ, saying, I am the Christ. Do not believe them. They will mislead many. And you will be hearing of wars and rumors of wars. Now, it's unlikely that Jesus was speaking of war in very general and global terms, because that would be no indicator of the near approach of Christ's coming. There have been wars in various parts of the world, of course, clearly, continuously for 2,000 years since Jesus spoke these words. He must, therefore, be referring to wars in a specific context. And that context, as we're going to see, is the book of Daniel. And Jesus' discourse here in Matthew 24, the anchor of prophecy, is really an explanation and exposition of pre-existing material in Daniel's prophecies written in the 6th century B.C. Daniel has much to say about wars and commotions in regard to the time just preceding the coming of Messiah in power. 
And then Jesus went on to say in verse 9, Then they will deliver you to tribulation and will kill you, and you will be hated by all nations on account of my cause, my name, on account, in fact, of the Christian religion. Can you imagine that? People being hated by the nations because of the cause of Christ and the name of Christ. Of course, there are countries in the world today where persecution is fierce. Savage persecution is already a fact of life for Christians in some countries today. Because of lawlessness being increased, Jesus went on to say, most people's love, that's to say their love of Jesus and of God, their love of the truth, will grow cold. The pressure, in other words, from persecution and from political organizations demanding no compromise and even religious establishments requiring a towing of the line conforming to standards which are not biblical, all of these things can bring enormous pressures on the Christian who is trying to stand for truth as he digs after it and investigates it daily and finds it plainly stated in the Scriptures. Finally, in his introduction to his long discourse on the end of the age, Jesus spoke of the time coming when the gospel of the kingdom would be preached worldwide as a witness and then the end would come. The remainder of the discourse deals with Jesus' view of the immediate end of the age leading up to his coming in power and glory. We have a free book on the kingdom of God we'd like to offer you. All you have to do is telephone us at the telephone number to be given at the end of this program. In addition, we have an article on Matthew 24 and its connection with Daniel. We invite you to request this from us also for your personal Bible study at home. We remind you to be searching the scriptures daily. And join us again for our continuing discussion of Jesus' favorite topic, the gospel about the kingdom of God.